the gift of music. And thank you, church family. As many of you probably already have heard, my mother passed away last night at 11.30, thereabouts. And uh, that's about all I can say about that this morning. So if, that is if you want me to get through this. Uh, uh, so, so maybe next week we can, we can talk about this uh, better. But thank you for your prayers already, and thank you for your prayers in advance for, for, this, for this week. So, Philippians chapter 2. This has been our text for this month as we have thought about the beauty, the truth, the glory the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beginning at verse 5, let me read down through verse 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, But made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being uh, born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. You may be seated. Thank you, Father, for your word. There is no word like your word, for there is no word that shows us Jesus like your word does. We thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you for the gift of Jesus that your word reveals to us. So give us eyes, Father, to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive. May you meet with us through your word this morning. May you be at work stirring in our hearts and souls. May you draw us to Jesus. May you change us by Jesus. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, our fourth morning uh, here this month, we have looked at Philippians chapter 2. We have first looked at two things concerning the person of Christ. Philippians 2 shows us that Jesus is God, that He is the second member of the triune Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existed for all eternity, and out of the overflow of the love and delight that they had amongst themselves, not out of a need or a deprivation, but out of an overflow of love between the three members of the Godhead, they spoke all things into existence. Jesus was there. He was the agent of creation. He is the maker of heaven and earth. And yet, Jesus, our text tell us, tells us, did not consider equality with, thing, with God a thing to be grasped. He, he, didn't, he didn't just sit there and hang on to all of His rights and privileges and prestige as God. But He became a man. 
He took the form of a servant and became obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so we saw something about the, 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 the humanity of Jesus. Who He is, He's, the, he's God and He's man. A hundred percent of each, He's the God-man. And then the last, last week we looked at the, uh, the first of the two states or experiences that are noted here in our passage. The first is the state of humility that we looked at last week. Or, or even if we would, we pressed it further and He didn't just humble Himself... He bore up under humiliation for us and for our salvation. And now this morning from our text, we focus primarily then picking up at verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed upon Him the name that is above every name. This morning we want to think about uh, the exaltation of Christ. Two things in particular that I want us to mull over as we think about the exaltation of Christ. First of all, I want us to think uh, about the greatness of Jesus' exaltation. And then second, I want us to spend some time uh, mulling over the, the grace or the graciousness of Jesus' exaltation. First of all, the greatness of Jesus' exaltation. There is, just like last week, with there, is, there, was, there was clarity and there was complexity in, in Jesus' humility. Well, there is clarity and there is complexity in Jesus' exaltation. Clear in this sense. Our passage and elsewhere in the Scripture are clear about one thing. That Jesus has no equal rivals. That Jesus has no uh, present uh, or future threat to thwart him and his purposes. That Jesus' kingdom is one that will reign unrivaled from this point on forever. The Bible is clear about that. Our passage is emphatic about that. Um, not, not all facets of his rule and his reign and his greatness are fully implemented, but, 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 but what is set in motion by virtue of his resurrection is that everything that needed to get pulled off and accomplished to set in motion all that's left to be implemented of his greatness, his rule, and his reign uh, is in play. Jesus is not only the center of history. He is the controller of history. There is greatness to his exaltation. He has turned the world right side up. Shame has been transformed into glory. Humiliation is now exaltation. Foolishness is now wisdom. And the cross is the throne from which King Jesus has conquered sin and death and hell. He is exalted now in that state. And yet, just like there was complexity in his humility, that even as he was humbled and humiliated, he nonetheless at that moment was exalted in that humility and that humiliation. Now in his exalted state, guess what? 
he is still humble. He was exalted in his humility, and he is humble in his exaltation. There is a simultaneity, simultaneity. Boy, I worked on that word all week. I just, I just, and I, and I, I botched it. So, uh, uh, just, I, I guess I got lazy over Christmas or something. I should have worked on it harder. But, but you know the word I'm talking about, right? Same time, yeah. Um, so there's simultaneity to his exaltation and his humiliation, and yet there's also a, a, a progressiveness or a development. There's a sense in which there's never a time that Jesus was not exalted. In eternity past, second member of the Godhead, he was exalted as God and Lord over all. And, and, and yet he comes to earth and in some sense he acquires Glory developmentally, both by his perfect life of righteousness and now in his state of recognition as exalted. And yet, really, I would suggest to you what is really in play, what is really being developed, is not the essence of his glory. But what is being revealed, what is being unfolded is a further revealing of his glory. He's always been glorious. And yet in our sin, we're blind to that glory. He's always been great. And yet in our sin, we're blinded to that greatness. But what we are seeing unfolding in history is an unveiling, a realization of what he has always existed as eternally, as one who is full of divine glory. And yet, and yet as, we, as we see even more and more of his exaltation and his glory, even, even, even in his fullest measures of exaltation, there is humility. Even our passage says that, that when it, when it, when it, do you see how it, what gets trumped there? It, that, that, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. See, even, even then, even then, he, eternity with God, equality with God is not a thing to be grasped. He doesn't say, look at me. Look at all the work I've done. You, you're, the, you're the one that sent me down here, and, and so now it's time for me to get, have a little of, of the of glory. No, it, it is him showing what a perfect son, a righteous son looks like. It says, oh, Father, you have sent me to do this work. I have done this work, and now I lift it up to you for your glory. First Corinthians chapter 15 ex- expands on that and explains that from another way when it's talking about the, the developmental unfolding of Jesus' plans and purposes. It, it says that Jesus is the one who, will, who delivers the kingdom to God. Father, I have, I have acquired this kingdom. And Father, I've acquired it for you. He delivers the kingdom to God, to his Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. Do you see, in his exaltation, he humbles himself 
and gives what he has earned to his father. And yet even in his humility, and, or I would say, and yet even, even, even as we are grasping something of his humility, it flips back around again. And what is most exalted about him is in fact that humility. He does this work as an act of obedience and submission to his father. And his father in turn doesn't say, that's right, it's all about me. That The father in turn says, I tell you what, you are my one and only son. It is you in whom I am pleased. And I am exalting you and I'm giving you the name that is above every name. Do you see how this unfolds here in this passage? That at the name of Jesus, every, how many? Every knee shall bow. In heaven, every angelic being will bow their knee to Jesus. On earth, every human being that has ever breathed any breath on this earth will bow to Jesus. And under the earth, every, every ornery, rebellious demon will be brought to bent knee before our Lord Jesus. Do you see the majestic exaltation and glory of Jesus. There is, when the dust all settles, there is nothing, nada, zero, zilch. There is nothing that won't bow before Jesus. There is no one who won't bow before Jesus. And there is no tongue that won't confess that Jesus is Lord. Now here's the catch. As we are here today, breathing on borrowed air as a gift from our Creator, as we are, are here this morning as a gift of life, we are here that we might bow and confess Jesus as Lord savingly. This is the era, this is the window. This is the season of redemption. This is the season that God has done that which was needed so that God and man could be reconciled. So that we could be at peace with our Creator. We could be adopted into His family and become His well-loved children. Romans 10 tells us, Because if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our sin, its guilt, its shame, its condemnation, its punishment will be fully dealt with through the shed blood of the God-man, Jesus. This day is a day to call upon Him. 
This day is a day to believe and rely and trust in your heart. To not just, not just shallowly um, assent. Oh yeah, I believe that. It's Christmas time. But to assent. To consent, rather, uh, with your heart and soul. Yes, this is my Lord. I walk away from myself. I walk away from my rebellion. I walk away from my indifference. I, I walk away from my sin. And I come to Jesus, who is guaranteed full, final acquittal and pardon of my rebellion. For with the heart one believes and is justified, the other is made right with God. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, and here's, here's, here's the, the limited offer. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek, for the same Lord is Lord over all, bestowing his riches on all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This morning, in our hearts, we can bow before the one who is king. This morning, with our lips, we can confess. This morning, the one who is king, we can call upon Jesus. And he promises to rescue all who look to him and call upon him and trust in him. And yet our passage says more than that. Our, ma- our passage says that the window is open to do that savingly this morning, this day. But as we might sit there in our obstinacy and in our blindness and in our bondage, we might say, "Uh uh-uh, not for me. Not going to do it. Not ever going to do it. Yes, you will. Every knee will bow. No matter what sphere of existence you operate in, whether you're an angel or a demon or a human, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. It's just that if we do it in this window of opportunity, this season of grace, we will do it savingly. If we do it beyond that window, and I don't know what your window is, I don't know what my window is, we will do it but we will do it condemningly. We will do it to validate and confirm and demonstrate the validity of our own condemnation. In Revelation 22, verse 12, Behold, I am coming again. I will soon bring recompense. And I will repay everyone for their deeds. We will be brought low. And we will confess. What we have stubbornly in our captivity by the devil to do his will have refused to acknowledge. There is greatness 
in Jesus' exaltation. And that greatness will one day be seen and will one day be confessed by all. But today is the day to do it savingly. Turn to Christ. Trust only in the only one who is big enough and great enough to bridge the chasm between us in our sinfulness and God in His holiness. Turn to Jesus, the world's only Savior. Turn to Jesus, the only one who has satisfied the justice of God, the only one who has assuaged the wrath of God, thereby abating the wrath of God from us. Turn to Christ. For what I want you to see next is not only is there greatness in the exaltation of Jesus, there is grace and graciousness in the exaltation of Jesus. Grace. Think about this. The ultimate aim of Christ's exaltation certainly is for the glory of His Father, but in terms of for us and for our salvation, the ultimate aim of Christ's exaltation is for us. The exaltation that He has acquired and is acquiring is not something that He needed because He didn't have it. He had it all. But, but, but he, he is acquiring this exaltation, and he is showing and displaying his exaltation to share it with his people. Ours is the need. Ours is the shame. And ours is the need for the erasure of our shame. And Christ came for us, and his humiliation was for us, and his exaltation is for us. One who did not need to acquire anything for himself nonetheless has stooped down and acquired everything for us, his people, his, his brethren. And he's done that in a, a bit of a sequence. He is already sharing his glory with us. Listen to what he says, what Paul says. In Ephesians chapter 2, it starts out by underscoring our humiliation, our shameful humiliation. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Oh, but praise God, there's no period at the end of that statement. Yes, there's a comma, and there's a beautiful contrast. 
as he describes us in our own natural, humiliated, rightfully so state, he then continues, But God, but God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sin, has made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? It's not just that he has ascended upon high at the Father's right hand, but he is already sharing that glory with us and we are positionally already seated with him at his right hand. Oh, he was exalted, and he fittingly deserved to be, but he was exalted for us and for our salvation. He now defines not only who we are at present, but he defines our destiny. Our life is now hidden with God in Christ. Think about what that means. Do you want to know who you are? You want to understand yourself better? You want to figure it out, what's up with you? Turn to Christ and look to Christ and study Christ and meditate on Christ and mull over Christ and let Christ marinate in our hearts and souls and because Christ is our life. We have been crucified, all who believe in Jesus. We have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer us who live, but Christ who lives in us. And yet the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and delivered himself up for us. You and I ain't no longer some ordinary Joe. We've been seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We now already have a position of exaltation. He has already defeated sin and death and hell. And we're told in Ephesians, we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, Ephesians 1, 1 Corinthians 15, that all things are now under his feet. Now, you do the, the physiology of that. He is the head, we are the body. All things are under his feet. In other words, we've already been lifted up and exalted. We are already made more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. He was exalted for us and for our salvation. And without it sounding like a cheap infomercial, I'd say, but wait, there's more. We're not only exalted with him and seated with him already in the, in the heavenlies at this present moment, but when he returns in all of his clarified, exalted state, and he establishes his rule and reign for, uh, on this earth and then later into all eternity, guess what he shares with us? Revelation chapter 5 says, as they are worshiping the, the Lord, you have made us a kingdom and priests to our God, and we shall reign on this earth. Revelation 22.5 reminds us, underscores it, and we shall reign forever. 
Remember the original mandate we had as human beings? We were placed here on this earth to be in charge of this earth, to rule over it. In other words, to be wise in the stewardship of God, what God has entrusted to us. He is the rightful king, and yet he, is, he, made, he made man and woman prince and princesses, if you would, to rule over creation. Of course, we, we blew that, and we were no longer ruled, ruling over creation, but we were ruled by creation. And that is going to be made aright. We will rule and reign with our Lord Jesus. And the grace that is seen in that is unimaginable to our eyes at this moment. And yet, even as we see Christ in, for all eternity in his exalted state, even in his exalted state, his humility will be manifested for all eternity. After the resurrection, Jesus in Mark 16, 6 is still noted as the one who was crucified. He is the crucified one. And as we read like in John 20, even after his, even after his glorified body uh, was unveiled, uh, even, even in his glorified body, there were still the marks of the cross uh, that, that, that was on his body. And even in Revelation chapter 5, where, where it, it describes, as I just alluded to a while ago, we will reign on this earth. Uh, what, it's, what it describes of this exalted, risen Lord is shockingly and yet gloriously, Christ is revealed as the slaughtered lamb who is still being praised. He will never shake free from because he doesn't want to, his form of a servant. He will be the humble king. He will be the exalted servant. And he is, the, he is that to us who are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I close with this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sing to Jesus, His the scepter, His the throne. Hallelujah, His the triumph, His the victory alone. Hark the songs of His redeemed ones, thunder like a mighty flood. Jesus out of every nation hath redeemed us by His blood. Hallelujah, bread of heaven. Thou on earth our food, our stay. Hallelujah. Hear the hungry come to thee from day to day. Advocate and intercessor, my Redeemer pleads for me. On the throne of the Almighty, now and through eternity. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you.